A joyous welcome for all our listeners to Shir Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. This is Patty Scalzo, and today my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be discussing the importance of answering God's call. Now let's go into the study. Patty, in our last program, our listeners will remember that we were studying the call of God to Moses on Mount Horeb. We saw the true humility that this 80-year-old shepherd displayed when he responded to the call by saying to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And the answer God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12 was, I will certainly be with you. It was not because of who Moses was or Moses' ability or his worth that the children of Israel would successfully be brought out of Egypt, but rather because of who God is. God would be with Moses. He would accomplish it. Okay, let's continue our study of Moses' response to God's commission by reading down in chapter 4, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 10. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, and drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. Then in verse 10 it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Notice that Moses saw the miracles. He saw the power of God displayed, yet still his concern is for his lack of ability. Remember what Stephen told us in Acts chapter 7 verse 22, that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in words and deed. And yet we see the humility of Moses when he asserts that he is not eloquent and is slow of speech and tongue. He is basically saying, how can I speak the word of God to these people? He certainly doesn't hold himself in high esteem. It's clear from Exodus that Moses was a well-educated man in Pharaoh's court. Still, he doesn't boast about himself, but rather recognizes his drawbacks. And Greg, can't both be true? A person may not be particularly eloquent or may be slow of speech and tongue and still be mighty in words, or as it says in the NIV, powerful in speech. Definitely. And I think in our media-driven society, it is difficult for many to make this distinction. The truth is powerful, and being truly mighty in words often comes from what's inside a man and what he knows and says, 
and not necessarily a tendency to be a smooth talker, or to put it more bluntly, a baloney artist. A person could be educated and wise and mighty in speech once motivated and yet not be naturally eloquent or a natural speaker. He might even have some speech impediment or be, quote, slow of speech and tongue. And this actually emphasizes the truth behind his statements when those statements cause an effect because they stand on the solid ground of the truth and not on the excellence or flattery of the speaker's presentation. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is a clear example of this. We are told in Philippians chapter 3 and Acts chapter 22 verse 3 that he was well educated in the law and was brought up in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel, learning from the most illustrious rabbi of his day. Yet Paul, speaking of himself in 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, relates the following. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. It would seem, Patty, that after he had done all the hard work of bringing the gospel and establishing a church, he had to contend with comparisons to others who came along later and who were more eloquent in their deliveries, but who were actually harming the church. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 5 to 6, But I do not think I am in the least inferior to those super-apostles. I may not be a trained speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Someone could have a knowledge of the truth, but not be a smooth talker. Yet the power and might of Paul's words rings down through the ages to us today as the church's greatest gospel theologian. It was because of what he said and not the polished way he said it. Paul took no polls to see what the people wanted to hear. No, I don't think so. But today, form seems to take preference over substance. As a country, we are mesmerized by the media politician who can talk his way out of anything. We no longer look beyond the oily words to see the emptiness of the speaker and the danger he causes our society. Rather, the greater the performance and the ability to make lies stick, the more he is admired. And truth is thrown to the ground. But Moses was not a man of flattery and smooth speech. It was not his natural ability. His tongue may not have pronounced the sounds as quickly as he would like. And he was not a loquacious fellow. And he saw that he was no more articulate now than when he first started the conversation with the Lord. That's why he says, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. But Patty, look at how God answers him in verses 11 and 12. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I? the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. God's answer is basically the same as before. It is not based on your ability, Moses, it is based on me. It is God who gives us the ability to speak. God forms the muscles and nerves and neurons. He gives us the mental capacity. We don't even understand how it all works. It all depends on Him. So trust Him. He says to Moses, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And we would think this answer from the Lord would be sufficient. But instead, Moses responds in verse 13, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. 
Please send someone else to do it, Lord. Maybe that response sounds familiar to some of us. Maybe we've had the same attitude. And notice, Moses is going beyond the bounds here of true humility. Look at the Lord's reaction to Moses' response. Starting at verse 14, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. The Lord's anger burns against Moses. Moses' sense of self-lack has gone too far. So the solution to Moses' concerns and hesitance was to have his brother Aaron, who is three years older than Moses, act as his official spokesman. When the Lord says, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. You get the impression that Aaron is a smooth talker. That's right. And we have in this exchange between God and Moses one possible reason why Aaron's descendants were chosen by the Lord as the priests under the law. Remember, God appoints Aaron and his descendants as priests in Exodus chapter 28, which is before the golden calf incident, where the repentant Levites ultimately side with Moses against their brethren and receive a special blessing. So Moses' response is partially responsible for a Levitical priesthood from Aaron's offspring. And it's typical of human nature. Many times in the natural, those whose hearts might be softer, relatively speaking, like Moses, have an attitude of, send someone else, when called by God to do something. And there arises a need for another mechanism to carry God's word. In this case, Aaron and an institution of the priesthood. Here, Aaron's verbal abilities are a necessity only because Moses won't accept what God could do through him. Moses instead gets confidence from knowing Aaron's involved and will do the speaking. Although, of course, later, Moses does speak directly and on his own for the Lord. And we know that Aaron's character was not like Moses. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, we read, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed, coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Aaron was affected by the poles. He did just what the people wanted. He himself fashioned the idolatrous golden calf. And then he tried to say he was having a feast to Yahweh. And look at how he tries to smooth talk his way out of blame with Moses. Exodus chapter 32 verses 21 to 24 says, And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses... 
the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. The calf just came out. <laughs> All by itself. But Aaron's words could not fool God. In Deuteronomy 9.20, Moses says, And the Lord was very angry with Aaron, and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Moses' prayers spared Aaron's life. And that brings us to our next important point in the authority series. All too often the right and humble people say no to God's call, making it necessary for the arrogant to be used to carry on God's word, for they at least will do it. But it is the more excellent way when those who are called, who have a respectful and sincere heart, respond enthusiastically to that call so that the way of truth is not brought into disrepute. We love to hear from our listening audience, so if you have any comments or words of encouragement, please send them along to us. Also, may I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting our church's evangelical outreach. Please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. We would also like to extend an invitation for you to join us for Sunday service if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go south to Route 1. Turn right and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shear Jashub.